He said he was he was talking about coming, but uh, all right. I don't know if he is or not. Everybody talks about coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is about today, actually. <laughs> talking about it and not doing it. Yeah. Good crowd. Anybody else showing up? You think or no? Maybe. Father, this morning, uh, help us to, uh, Lord, to uh, not just say that we're thankful, Lord, but to be thankful. To have a thankful heart, thankful spirit uh, of, of who you are and what you've done. And Lord, what you do for us in our life. How you've given us new life because of your death and resurrection. And Lord, how you want to draw us into that new life for a new purpose of yours and not our own. So this morning, Lord, as uh, we read your word, and uh, Lord, look uh, for truth for our lives, I pray, Father, that you would speak to us, that we would hear it, and Lord, that we would receive it, and Lord, that we wouldn't just listen and not receive, Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, this morning, Lord, I lift up uh, all who are here and on the phone, Lord, to you, and thank you for their presence, Lord, thank you for their obedience, and thank you, Lord, that they've listened to the, to the call to come and to, uh, to join together here, Lord, with you in spirit, uh, to, be, uh, to be fed your word, to be edified to be lifted up, to be strengthened. So we thank you for these things, Lord. We ask that you bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today, gentlemen, as you see the title, The Go of Renunciation. So in this uh, devotional of Oswald here, he has a, just a, a few se- a series, really, that he calls The Go. And the first one on September 24th was the go of preparation. Then the next day was the go of relationship, the go of reconciliation, and today is the go of renunciation. Tomorrow is going to be the go of unconditional identification. So there's a, a process that he's working through, part, and part of the process today is what he's talking about is, um, in a sense, um, not just talking about it and say you're going to do it, but actually stepping into something and doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Awesome. That's right. All right, well, let's pray. So if anybody ever wondered, you know, what is it going to cost me to follow Christ, mm-hmm. right? Sure. It's going to cost you basically who you are yeah. because God wants to take away who we are and he wants to make us who we're supposed to be right. in him. So there's a, that's what he says about, you know, about dying, right? To live, you have to die. To have a new life, you have to die. And you have to die to yourself. And, that, and what that means is you have to give up who you are and you have to be changed. Not just the way you think, but you have to change everything about... So we're going to start uh, in Luke 9. I'm going to start in 51, just a little bit uh, before the... Uh, the cost of true discipleship or that he's going to explain in 57. Your mind has to be renewed. Um, and you have to live and you have to purpose your life in that renewed mind. So there's always going to be that 
as the Bible talks about in the New Testament, this double-minded man, right, who has one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. And he is always going back and forth, back and forth, never choosing one, right? He's always trying to, always trying to live in one, but really, I guess, in a sense, enjoy the other still. So there's a lot of people that have a, a difficulty in leaving what they know and what they believe and what they've learned for, for that time up to the point of, of accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then from that point forward, it's, it becomes a struggle. And usually, like, uh, I'm, I'm assuming everybody was in the thing on Wednesday, the chapel, right, or whatever it's called. I don't know what show it's called anymore on Wednesdays, but just like Chico was saying, right, there's that, there's that tendency for us to want to live in ourselves, but expect everything to change. That, that, that will never happen. It will never happen. So let's start in uh, 951. Now it came to pass... When the time had come for him to be received up, him being Christ, that he steadfastly set his face uh, and, 52, sent messengers before this, his face, it says, in my, in my uh, translation. I know yours is different. How's yours read? He sent messengers ahead uh, okay. to Samaria. So there's just, he's focused, he's sending people in front of him to prepare What's, what's going to take place and what he needs. And they went. They entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem, to go to Jerusalem. Now, if that sounds strange, all, he's, all that means is that at this point now, Jesus is focusing on his mission or the end of his mission, which has given up his life for us. That's what that means. He steadfastly set his face. So his mind, his determination, his understanding, everything was focused now to the point to the end of his life. There were um, Greeks that married and lived with Jews. So they, had this, they were kind of separate from both the Greek and the Jew. All right, so they go to prepare this, you know, to prepare this village for him, right? And I'm assuming, this is an assumption, I don't know, right? The reason why they didn't receive him, because he wasn't coming there for them. He was stopping there on the way to Jerusalem. So maybe they felt slighted, maybe they felt unimportant, maybe they felt something, right, that said, well, if you're not coming here for us, then we don't want you here. That would be my assumption. I don't know that that's the case, because the Bible doesn't describe why they didn't receive him. So that's just a thought. It, it, it could have been a, a hundred different things, right? Well, Jesus probably had an inkling well, he knew. Yes, he already knew. He already knew, but he sent people ahead. Otherwise, he just would have showed up, right? Right, he just would have if, walked if, in if, or unannounced. If you're traveling and you need right. some place to stop, you just show up. Correct. And, and so he was like, hey, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm coming. And they're like, no, thank you. And he's right. like, that's what I thought. <laughs> Bye. And obviously, it's exactly what he knew it was going to happen, right? But like you're saying, if he sent messengers ahead of his arrival before he got there, right? Um, they had the opportunity to receive him. Isn't that what we have today? Yes. Isn't that what's going on right now? I don't mean right now, this moment in this room, but I mean right now, 
in this time, in this period, in this era, that people come, people are sent by God, messengers, which are people who have received him, have his word in them, and go out and preach the gospel as it's commanded to do. Hey, Jesus is coming. And when he comes, he's coming for his body, he's coming for his church, he's coming for his bride, and he's going to take that bride, and he's going to receive the bride and take him back to his father's house. That's the message. The message is probably similar in this, in this moment, in this time, right? Jesus is coming, and you can receive him, or you can deny him. Uh, in the subnotes down here, it says the Samaritans and Jews were bitter enemies. They did not want anything to do with someone traveling to Jerusalem since they believed the true place of worship was on a mountain in their province. Right. Yeah, so the Samaritans were... For me, like, uh, the way... To me, it speaks of God's nature, at least uh, in my in my relationship, in my testimony of him, like, because it says, because his face was not set, his face was set yeah. for the journey to Jerusalem. And, like, my relationship with God didn't start by me looking for God, you know what I mean? God, you know what I mean, for seeing it fit to reach into my life and, and to to set me apart. And... Um, and it's always continually been like that. Like God just really, he intervened in my life. I wasn't looking for God That's at right. all. You know, and, and just how Jesus says, uh, for you did not choose me, I chose you. And there's a lot of scripture to prove that God's, God reaches in and intervenes into our life. We don't, we don't cry out and, you know, typically doesn't usually work like that you know what I mean and, and for me that's kind of what was ministered to my heart at least it reminds me of my testimony because he says but they did not receive him not because they couldn't or wasn't that time but because he wasn't reaching out to them he was set on something else and at that time and and, and like when um the woman that uh that asked him to be healed and he said for I did, I did not come but for the lost sheep of Israel and and he didn't it's not that he he was. He had an order of doing things. I believe we serve a God of order. It wasn't that he didn't want to help her, but that he had a task at hand, and the task was to go to the house of Israel to, for the Jews. He was there for the Jews, but yet still moved with compassion and seeing her faith, she still got her healing. You know, because she says, for even the, 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 the dogs eat off the, the, the master's tables, the crumbs off the master's tables, and he was moved with compassion and saw her faith, and he moved for her. You know what I mean? So to me, that's what it speaks of. You know, it just reminds me of my testimony. And he had something to do, and, and, and he was about to get it done, you know? And, and good point, and let's not forget yeah. with what, exactly what you're saying also with that, coupled with that, is that he is, he's being led by God, even going into this town. Yes. Yeah. This is not his plan, to go into right. this Samaritan village on the way to Jerusalem. He didn't have to actually go through this town to get to where he was going. This is, this is kind of like a side trip, but he's doing it for a reason, and the reason is he was that this, his whole journey is designed by God, okay? So it, in the earlier scripture, in, in 7, I think it's chapter 7, it talks about him being at Martha and Mary's house on a part of this journey, right? So he didn't do this straight line from point A to point B. He did this, what would look like this Marant, uh, meandering trip that went, that kind of makes a little bit of no sense. Like he wasted a bunch of time, right? Trying to get where he was going. If you looked at his, this journey on the map, but he was being led by God on a daily basis to go here, to go here and do these things, right? 
So the the whole reason why he went through that is really unknown to us. But it will be known to us at some point. It'll make total sense why he sent these guys ahead, told them he was coming, they didn't receive him, right? And he said, okay, and they moved on to the very next village. So the way he was able to do all his miracles and all that was because he was walking perfectly in the alignment of the will of the Father, correct? So I remember somebody saying, like, he had a legion of angels he could have called down at any moment to, like, handle business when he was up on the cross and stuff. But really, he couldn't because the Father's will was for him to die. Right? And so he would be breaking out of the Father's will. So it's like, it's like, oh, here, I'm going to grant you the power to go destroy mountains. But what I want you to do with it is this. You can do this, but if you go to do this, you're going out of what you're designed to do, so you can't do it. So, the way I guess I, I would explain it to you is um, your father and you and your dad says, hey, look, I want you to do these things, and I'm, giving, I'm going to give you the ability with whatever you need to get it done. That's my will for you, and that's what I'm asking you to do for me. And you decide, okay, I'll do that. And then along this journey, you decide maybe you want to do something that's not a part of the plan for a moment. And your father says, that's fine, you can do it, but I'm going to hold back my resources from you to do that. You're doing that on your own power now. With the power that you have, not the power that we share. Right? So whatever your father owns, and in, as far as God is concerned, he says it belongs to you. If I, if, it's, if I have it, it's yours. If I don't have it, then it's not yours. Because I can't give you something I don't possess, right? It's not that, that, I don't, that I don't own or that's not in me, right? I can't, I can't lend you those things. But all that I am, all that I have, everything that is mine, belongs to you so that whenever you need what you need, on the, if our will is aligned, right? Mm-hmm. I'll give it to you to make sure that it's accomplished. But if you move outside my will into your own will, I'm going to hold back those resources and those powers and those things. You can still do them, but you do them on your own. That would be, in a, in a sense, I can't bless that is what that would mean, right? As if a Christian said it, I, I'm not going to bless your, your plans away from my plans, right? And, and what Jesus, uh, Jesus and God are basically the same of mind and the same in will, right? And the same in character, so Jesus was going to carry out his plan no matter what. We even see that in the struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says, not your will, but not my will, but your will be done, right? Because he said, listen, there's another way. It's possible. If, there's, if I can accomplish the same thing in another route, another way of doing it, that would, that's what I would prefer, knowing what's ha- going to happen. But your will be done and not mine. So that's, I, I think, that's what you're asking, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So that's, and that's really, we have that same opportunity. Um, and Oswald's going to talk about that, and actually, again, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. That's cool. Should be the head shame. Yeah. Um, no. So 53, but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And 
When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Good question. (laughs) But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So here's the thing. It's kind of interesting. He's on his way to give his life up to save mankind, right? And here are these guys ticked off because and because they had the at some point this power right remember they had this power and they used it that that jesus gave them to go on their journey and he sent them out two by two and there were 70 of them remember that whole story yeah. and they cast out demons and they healed the sick or they yeah they healed the sick and whatever whatever they did they did it by the power of god mm-hmm. and now that whole that's that residual remembrance and how it felt and what they did is still in them. Right. And now they want to just call down fire and, and wipe out a village. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. They said, just like Elijah did. Right, right. But they're taking something that was not done by Elijah that was done by God. That, but God used Elijah to show his power, God's power, right? That's right. Good point. Yeah. That's good. Elijah just sat up there on the hill. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Because that's what God told him to do. Right. So he went up to this hill and he sat there. And they sent a hundred men, right? A hundred soldiers <laughs> to bring him back and they, to the emperor, the king. And he said, I'm not going with you. God told me to sit here. And he said, well, if you don't come with us, we're going to have to take you. And then fire came down and consumed 50 of them or a hundred of them. All of them, I think it was. Then mm-hmm. they sent 50. Fire came down and they sent 50. Fire came down, and the third time they sent 50, that guy said, look, I don't want to die. I don't want to burn up, man. <laughs> so here's the deal, right? This is what I'm asking you. This is what I need you to do for me. Because right. I don't want to go through that process with you. I understand what happened already. Mm. At that point, God says, okay, it's okay for you to leave this hill, all right? Mm. So there's always a process mm. in what God does to, so that we can understand who he is as power and people can understand who he is and his power. And then somewhere in between there, there's the, there's the vision or the understanding of us being obedient to the Father and then God working in our lives and how he does that. And we're just an example at that point of living and trusting in God. Mm-hmm. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. 57. Now it happened. <clears throat> it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to them, Foxes have holes and birds. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Uh, interesting. Why does he say that? Because he knows the guy's heart. He knows what's in his mind. He knows what he expects. He's saying something, but what he really, but what is still remaining in him is this this specific type of life and living a certain life, which includes a house, a place, maybe a job and money, all these things that he sees 
that is of value. And without them, he can't follow Jesus. So Jesus points right to his heart and says, you know what? The foxes, they have a den, they have a place to live. The birds, they have a nest, they have a place to live, but I don't. And I'm telling you right now, if you follow me, you're not going to have those things. Yeah, the guy didn't know what he, he, he had the right intention. I want to follow you, but he didn't know what that meant. Yeah. He, he didn't. He, he didn't know what it required exactly. Correct. That's right. Like the young rich ruler. That's yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah that's give away everything. Won't <laughs> So Jesus just goes right straight to the matter of the heart all the time. Okay, you want to follow me, but understand this: you're not going to have anything on this journey, right? Because it's a journey. You can't. Well, I guess you could carry your house with you if it was an RV, but. <laughs> <laughs> But you understand where he's going with this, right? He's just pointing to still what's in the mind and heart of this man and what he sees as importance and value. So the true cost of discipleship is what is what the heading of my Bible is saying here. That's a part of it. Are you willing to follow Jesus and give up, give up anything or everything? Then he said to another, so he tells him this, the guy asks, he says to him, makes a statement, I'll follow you, Lord, wherever you go. Then he says, okay, well, I don't, these things you're not going to have if you follow me. Then he turns to someone else and says, follow me. (laughs) (laughs) But he said, okay, this other guy responds, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. So he doesn't say, okay, he doesn't say, I will. He says, he doesn't even say, okay, I will, but he just says, let me first go and bury my father. What does that mean? That means that his father was still alive and he hadn't yet died because the culture and the custom back then was, right? When When the father died, the oldest son received his inheritance, got everything, the rich young ruler, right? He got everything and then he... He buried the father, right, in their, their tomb, in their, wherever, wherever it was that they had their family, you know, tomb. Right. That's what they did. That was the custom. And he's saying, first let me go do this. So if there's going to be a time between now and then, and when that's over and done, that chapter of my life is closed, then I'll be able to come and follow you and do whatever. Because right. I, I can't leave my father, right? Because mm-hmm. in, in that story, the rich young, not the rich young ruler, the... Uh, um, the uh, the son, the prodigal, right? That the the whole story about the prodigal. You have oh, one. You have one that says, "I'm going to stay with dad and I'm going to serve him." Then you have one that says, "I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance." Okay. Yeah. So the father gives him his inheritance. He leaves. The other son stays and honors his father, right? And that's what he's saying. He's saying, "Look, I want to stay and honor my father, so I can't follow you yet, because I still have these responsibilities in my life." Jesus turns to him and says, "Well." Let the dead bury the dead. Yeah. And he's talking about spiritually. He's not talking about physically because a dead person can't bury a dead person. Yeah. <laughs> so he's saying those who don't know me and those who don't care to know me and those who reject me, let those people deal with each other. Right. You follow me. I think that's so true. It speaks to so much too how like the principle behind it says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Like, yeah. How there's so many things that that 
the enemy will try to use to entice us to put before our relationship with Jesus, you know, and, and, and like, oh, well, you got to take care of this, or you got to go mend this relationship, or you got to fix this part of your life, or you got to go do this, or you got to go do that. Then you could invite Jesus into every area of your life. But until you take care of that stuff, then you can't really have a personal relationship with him now. And it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a bunch of garbage. <laughs> so there's that double-minded man that wants to follow, but, but doesn't because he is consumed with still living his own life the way he yeah. wants to live it. Yeah, okay? it's tough. Which is that lukewarm person that the Bible speaks of. Right. right? Which Jesus would, would have probably let him go and bury his father. But like, it just... Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a note that says the kingdom outweighs responsibility even to family. Yep. Yes. Remember, what he's talking about here is a relationship. Right. That's what it comes down to. A personal relationship. Not your whole family relationship with Jesus. It's your relationship with Jesus, right? Another also said, verse 61, Lord, I will follow you, but, here's the but, but, let me first go and bid farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no. No, he didn't say that. He said, Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. What does that mean? That means if you're looking back, that's where your heart's at. That's what you still, that's where you still want to be. That's what you still enjoy. That's what you still love. Those are still your passions, your desires. Looking back is where he's saying, if you're looking back, then you're not with me. You're not following me. Even though you're with me, your heart and everything that you, that you want, your desire is still back here. Just like, when the angels came and had a Lot leave the city, right? And his wife looked right. back because that's where her heart was at. Right. That's what she desired. That's what she wanted. She never wanted to leave. Mm. She'd rather be destroyed there. Mm. But she looked back and what happens to her? Pillar of salt. Because yeah. the instruction was, whatever you do, don't look back. Because there's a price to pay if you look back in that story. Yes. Whatever you do, don't eat the apple. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't eat of the fruit, right? right. Yeah. It's the tree of the fruit in the center of the garden. Right. You can do anything you want, except one thing. <laughs> when you're leaving, you can, you can leave, just don't look back. I mean, it's very simple instructions, right? Mm. This guy's saying, hey, I'll follow you, but first let me look back. And Jesus said, no, you can't, because that's you're not fit to follow me then, if that's what your heart's going to be. You won't follow me. That's duality. That yes, that's right. Anything to you, like, because I've always, this is one that's, like, always kind of stuck with me, and, like, I've thought, or really thought about it. And then, if you think about it, though, too, like, if you put a, if you have a plow, you know what I mean? You got the plow. And if you look back, it just seems so unnatural, because... A plow, you're, you're right. You got look where you're going. You're, Have you ever heard that growing yeah, up? Yeah. Hey, right. look. A plow's got to be. You got you got a sense of order. Of things that you're doing, things have to be right. Otherwise, and that's your that's everything. So if you start looking back, like you're saying, that line's gonna start going. You've now taken your eyes off the task, 
and you're focusing on something that's really not important. You know what I mean? You're focusing on things and, and then it just sets you off course. And once you're off course, now you're coming into the next line. Now you have more work that you've now just made. Now your roles are all messed yeah, up. Yeah, it's just, there's just a, a mountain of stuff that, that, that happens, you know what I it's mean? It's like a blind person. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. You go Exactly, yeah. So it's like, that's, that's <coughs> what sticks out to me. You're just getting at the, you know, uh, literal, you know, sense of it. But sometimes when I look at the literal, it helps me kind of uh, hone in on the spiritual. Yeah, so I, so that's basically what the scripture is pointing to. Oswald now is going to take this apart just a little bit and give us a little bit more insight, um, even more than what we talked about. The go of, renun- of renun- renunciations. Excuse me. Someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Luke nine fifty seven. A Lord's attitude toward this man was one of severe discouragement. For he knew what was in man, quoting John 2.25. We would have said, I can't imagine why he lost the opportunity of winning that man. Imagine being so cold to him and turning him away, so discouraged. So that's a comment that he's saying that some people would come to a conclusion that, well, why did, why did Jesus do that? He shouldn't have done that, you know. Why was he so cold? He should have accepted that guy. He should have talked to that guy. He should have, you know, cared for him, right? Yeah. So they're judging Jesus is what they're doing. Yeah. And they're saying, I would have done it better or differently. (laughs) (laughs) Now, maybe some people actually say that when they read this story and they see that. They say maybe they see Jesus as cold and has no heart for this guy. Well, he did save the village from the... uh from the disciples who wanted to burn it, burn it up. So, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, he did. But sure. that's not in this context. <laughs> <laughs> Never apologize for your Lord. The words of the Lord. So he says that. So uh, to save us from arguing what Jesus did to someone who's trying to prove something about Jesus is not, right? Right. Jesus is not this because what about this scripture where he, you know, this guy said, I follow you. And all he did was say, get out. Mm. Right. Right. So he's saying, listen, don't apologize to what God does and what Jesus does. Right. They, they know the heart of man, the mind of man. And he said, and he says it here, right? <clears throat> Never apologize for your Lord. The words of the Lord hurt and offend until there's nothing left to be hurt or offend. So there's a cleansing going on there. Right? That's called sanctification. He's cleaning. Right to the core. Right. Everything, all of it. Except the things that we won't let him remove or clean. It's like a doctor removing cancer. You've got to get all of it. Otherwise, it comes back. And when the doctor removes cancer, do you have anything to say about it? Or are you out on you're the out. table? You're out. You're out. Mm. <clears throat> and he has the will, <clears throat> the freedom to do whatever he wants to do in that, in that time. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me, looking for that cancer and cleaning that cancer completely out. And then you wake up, and what you want to hear is, it's all gone, right? And, he, and you want to hear the doctor say, we got it all. Mm. We got all of it. Well, we don't do that with Jesus, so... Mm. We, we, we hold everything, and we 
when we want to give it up, we give up something, right? right? And then we give that up. But we give up the things that aren't, aren't as important to us. It's like looking back, right? right? And saying, I'll follow you, but mm-hmm. I got to hold on to these things still because I, I need them. They belong to me. They're mine. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And Jesus says, no, 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 just take your hand off everything. Mm-hmm. Let me do the work, mm-hmm. right? Let, let me get rid of the cancer. Right. I'm the doctor. Well, he, he points right to the core of what it is, right? Yes. And so we see that, hey, let me bury my family first, or let me bury my father. It's like, that's the core, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm pointing right to the core. The issue that I don't want to let go, that, you know, is really keeping me from having a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. It's like, that. I want that, and I want that. I want to take that away. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to give that up. Mm-hmm. Right? So and then you come to this place where you, you got to make a decision. These people have to make a decision. Right. Okay. It's going to cost me more than I thought it was going to cost me. Mm. Am I in or not? And that's the decision we have every day. Yeah, and it may, it may come to us that, well, why does, why, do I, why does it have to cost me that? I mean, I'm willing to give everything else up, but not this. Look at that guy. Mm. Right. Look at that guy. Mm. Jesus just pushed all the chips in. Yeah. All in. That's right. Are you going to call? Or are you going to fold? Mm. Here's the amazing thing about God and Jesus and the Spirit. They'll allow us to do that time and time again, knowing that at some point we are going to call all in. Now, we may not do it the first time. We may not do it the second time or the third or the fourth or the fifth time. But we're going to do it before we leave this earth. And we are going to be sons and daughters of Christ at some point. And he knows that. And as long as he knows that, well, because he knows that, I should say, he's not going to quit, not going to give up on us. Because he knows that time and that moment's coming. We don't. Mm-hmm. We may even decide at some point that, I, I, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry I even went to church. I'm sorry I even listened to that guy. I'm sorry I even said I wanted to be a Christian because it's brought, brought only, you know, strife and more uh, problems in my life. And I don't want any of it. Mm. <laughs> but there's always a circumstance that changes that. Right. And we come back to Christ. I'm speaking from experience. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And at, at that at that one last time, it's a, it really is life or death. It's all in or you're done. That's right. And when you come to that understanding and your heart is and your mind is real and focused on that, it's that's an easy decision to make. Mm-hmm. And it's an it's an easy it's easy to say it, and then it's very true to keep it. Because it means everything. Right. Where before it didn't mean it really everything. It meant what I wanted it to mean. And yes, I'm willing to give things up. But I'm not willing to give everything up. Wow. Sounds like I need a spiritual anesthesiologist to knock me out. So... <laughs> <laughs> So they can cut everything out and I wake up whole and That would be the easy way. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everybody wants. To make it easy. Okay, I'm going to go to sleep and when I wake up, you're going to make me whole and new in you, right? Well, yes. <laughs> That's the resurrection. When, when I wake up in the morning, my life circumstances are all going to be changed. Right. Right? But not me. I still want to be the same. I just want you to get rid of all the issues, all the problems all my responsibilities, everything that I have to pay for, right? But I still want to live who I am. 
So change everything around me, but don't change me. <laughs> wow. Give me a new life, but don't make my life new. Because this is where I like to live, in this shell, in this skin, in this body, in this mind. I want my circumstances. I just want my circumstances to be renewed, to be changed. Ouch. And then we walk in that newness. He says, okay, he'll do that. And then we walk in that newness and we, we corrupt all those things all over again. Right. And we come back to the same place we started. We get on our knees again. We cry out to God and say, Lord, change all my circumstances, Lord. How many times are we going to have to do that? It's a merry-go-round, right? It's just a circle. When are we going to say, Lord, take my life, change me? And then my circumstances will change. Never apologize, it says here, for your Lord. The words of the Lord of the Lord hurt and offend until there's nothing left to be hurt or offend. Well, it makes a little bit more sense now, yeah? Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ had no tenderness whatsoever toward anything that was ultimately, okay, going to ruin a person in his service to God. So knowing us, or knowing our heart, right? He's not going to treat that with kid gloves. He's going to say, hey, you've got to get that out of your life, man. Right. Now. Or it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy you. And you're no good to God's kingdom. See, Jesus doesn't mess around. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> doesn't play games, no. right? If that's what you want, go have it. Go get it. Yeah. Be gone. Yes. I'm asking you to follow me. If you don't want to follow me because this is more important to you, that's fine. I'd rather you do that and not be with me because even if you're physically with me, spiritually, mentally, you will never be with me. Your heart is somewhere else. So stay there. Mm-hmm. Ruin his service to God. Our Lord's answers were not based on some whim or impulsive thought, but on the knowledge of what was in man. Jesus knows our heart and mind, right. He knows our intention. He knows what we, again, he knows what we want to possess. He knows what we love. He knows what we desire. He knows what we want. And he says, <clears throat> your will for those things does not line up with my will that, and those things I want to give you. And until they do, I can't give you anything. I can't give you new life because you'll corrupt it. You'll destroy it. And the flip side of that, the beauty is when what it is in, in line, that's when, man... That's 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 the uh, it's just the beauty of it when things are when the intentions and the thoughts and the hunger begin to align with God's will, boy, that's when He comes in and just you know what I mean. That's when He could truly just give you life, man. He gives you life, and you get to experience the depth of, of of His love and just His grace and mercy and all of it. It's it's a beautiful thing, man. And and um, like uh, for me. Like for a long time, especially in the beginning, like I would pray, pray to God, you know what I mean, and ask Him to change my intentions because I would really sit back and think, well, how, where else is it going to come from? How else am I going to get a hunger for God if I'm, if if I'm in the world and I'm coming out of the world and and uh, you know I think that He just that's the beauty of it. That's why I call my God, my God, because He can. 
he's the only one who could read my thoughts and know my heart, you know, and when I would ask those things, it's because I truly desired him. I wanted to have godly intentions. I wanted to have uh, a hunger for the things of God, for the word of God, and ultimately to do his will and to be used as a vessel for him, you know, and it's a beautiful thing, man, when, when he comes in and especially like, you know, because people here don't know me. People don't know where I come from and they don't know what's been in my heart, but I do. So I'm able to step back and truly, really see God's power and know that's not of me. I don't, this is, have a hunger for this? That's not me. To want to help people? That's not me. You know what I mean? Like, like I was a taker my whole life. You know what I mean? I was a go-getter and what I wanted, I got. You know what I mean? And to sit back and, and to, 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 to rest on trust in a God, that's not me. And that's why I'm able to sit back and be like, man, God, God is an absolute real thing, man. And that, those changes that you're talking about can't come, you know. But like how Jesus says, it comes at a price. And I believe with every change is the chipping of myself, you know what I mean? But it's in a sense that it's a false self and he's allowing the real self to come out and what's really in my heart. And it's a beautiful thing, but it's a very challenging thing. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, like he says, he didn't leave us helpless. We have a helper and a comforter and a teacher that dwells inside of us, which is his spirit. And uh, it fires me up, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? It really does. You know, the <clears throat> amazing thing about that is, um, like you're saying, Jesus knows, your, knows you, right? right? And people don't know you. Exactly. They're saying, you don't know me, right? You didn't know me who, wh when I was who I was. And you really don't know me now, right? right. You you know only what I what I say and the things that I do. That's how you know me. Right. So sometimes people will say things about you that aren't true. Of course. Right? All the time. They're going to mark you. They're going to uh, position you. They're going to pigeonhole you. They're going to say, you can do this. You can't do that. You're not good at this. Or you're not a good person. Or, you know, you're a liar. Whatever. They're going to talk about you. Right. But here's the thing. God knows you. And what's amazing about all that is I can always go to God and say, God, you know me. You know my heart. You know who I am. Right? right? And he's going to say, don't worry about those people and what they say about you. Rudy, I know who you are. And I know why you are doing what you're doing because I've called you to it and I'm asking you to do it. And the part of the cost is people are going to cast those, you know, cast those dispersions upon you in God's will doing what you're doing for God. But you can't let those things prevent you from continuing in God's will. Mm. That's what's amazing about being able to talk with your father and say, Lord, yeah. why are they saying this? And he's going to say, don't worry about it. I know who you are. Mm. I know the truth about you. Right. Yeah. As you were talking, uh, I had this image of like this huge like stone, right? Like this mm. huge stone, mm. you know? And it's like, you know, so God's at work on something. He's chipping away a piece, you know? And it's like, ah, that's me. You know, like, right. you know, I, I don't want to give that up. And it's like releasing that, you know, clouds of stone and dirt and all this stuff is part of me right you know and it's like at the end it's like the statue of david mm. you know what i mean like yeah, just yeah. like perfectly revealed but it's all that stuff that he takes off right, right to reveal the real you right. you know who you are authentically like in mm. him and until then it's just all this stuff around us right it's like yeah that's me that's good but, that's but good, yeah. those parts need to come off yeah and that's yeah. good because if you think about a rock, a rock is not a rock until just with the time and the weather and the world oh, and yeah. all this stuff that begins to just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, man, that's good. That's a good word. That's what I started picturing. <laughs> you know what I mean? The world, all this garbage, the dirt, the, the wind, the rain, everything hitting it and yeah. hiding what it truly is at its core. You know? <coughs> yeah. 
I love God, man. <laughs> <laughs> I truly do, boy. He's, uh, he knows it. Man. Yes, sir. The knowledge of what was in man. So if you didn't under, know this or understand or even believe it, God knows what's in your heart and mind, gentlemen. He knows what's in my heart and my mind. Right. You can't hide it from him. Nope. So it's, it's, it's ridiculous to try to hide anything from God. Mm. Just like Adam and Eve, the little fig leaves. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it doesn't, yeah. it, it's a waste of time. It doesn't make sense. Because he knows. If the Spirit of God brings to your mind a, a word of the Lord that hurts you, you can be sure, here it is, that there is something in you that he wants to hurt to the point of its death. He wants it out of you, destroyed in you, gone forever. And it takes a work, it takes a process. Luke 9.58, these words destroy the argument of serving Jesus Christ because it is a pleasant thing to do. And the strictness of the rejection that he demands of me allows for nothing it allows for nothing to remain in my life except or but my Lord. Me, in a sense, of desperate hope that I need God. Without him, I can't do this. I need him for this purpose, for this call, for this action, for this journey, for this direction. I need him. He says that I must let everyone else come or go. And that I must be guided solely by my relationship to him. My relationship. Not my family's, not my friends, not my bosses, right? It's right. my relationship. So, let the dead bury the dead. Don't say you want to follow me, but... Yeah. Yes. There's a play on Broadway called uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the devil, the person that plays the devil is very good. And one of the things he says is, behind the eyes and between the ears is where I do my dirty work. So each of us has to be aware of where the thought's coming from and choose moment by moment which thought we're going to have. So I thought that was important. Mm -hmm. He says that I must let everyone else come or go and that I must be guided solely by my relationship to him. And he says, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Again, he's just repeating that because understand what that means is what I was trying to bring to our attention. So the man has no more to lay his head. So what's important to you? Is a way of saying that. Remember these things. So if you're going to say, yes, I, I, I want, I believe that Jesus was, came from heaven, is the son of God, right? That always was, always is. He was there in the beginning right. of creation. He'll be there at the end when God renews the creation, right? He wasn't created by God. He is God. Hmm. I believe that he came, became man, that he died and he rose again for my sin. 
to make a way for me back to the relationship mm-hmm. that Adam and Eve had before the fall or the sin. And once you, once you believe that, you got to live in that, walk in that. And if you say those things, understand what's important. Now, I don't know if it's harder. Uh, I don't think it's any harder, I should say, uh, based on your age to follow God. I think it's based on what you have or don't have. That, that will be more difficult for you to surrender to God. Like what you have to let go. Yes. Yeah. Luke nine fifty nine. This man did not want to disappoint Jesus, nor did he want to show a lack of respect for his father. Now, this is the guy that said, let me go bury my father, right? We put our sense of loyalty to our relatives ahead of our loyalty to Jesus Christ, forcing him to take last place. When your loyalties conflict, always obey Jesus Christ, whatever the cost, whatever the cost. So if you have a decision to make about anything, right, and you're trying to weigh it out, there's a way of weighing it out um, spiritually and a way of weighing it out uh, in, you know, in the, in temporally here and now and physically. Again, if I go, what is it going to cost me back here if I leave this behind for a time? So uh, I remember we were, um, we did a uh, soccer camp and we just did a weekend, I think it was. Maybe four days. And one of the fathers of one of the players was going to come with us. Um, no, skip that. That's not what it was. So this guy, it was, the same, it was the same guy, but he was called to go on a mission trip for two weeks, right? And he was just <coughs> him and Han because he was a business guy, right? And he was a salesman. And I, I guess he, he was a, like a high-end product that was a very expensive product that he was selling right and he was going to be in his mind i'm going to be gone for two weeks i'm not going to get any commission for two weeks right and because his commission was high and his the product was high end it's it's a big gap for two weeks in his mind and that's what he was weighing physically in the here and now what is it going to cost me am i going to read how long will it take me to recover those two weeks will it take me Two months to recover those two weeks? He may look at it as, I'll never regain that back. It's lost forever, right? That, that value is gone. It's, I'm never going to get it back unless, right, he does more selling to, that he would have sold in those two weeks over a length of time. And that's what he's thinking. But he finally, because his heart was, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, but, I want to do this, but. So finally he goes on his mission trip. Comes back. His sales, he wasn't even there. And his sales went through the roof. Wow. Wonder why. <laughs> Such a coincidence. He came back and he's like, he told the story. He said, I was gone for two weeks thinking that I was not going to, I was going to make zero income. He said, I made more money in those two weeks than I did in the last, you know, year. Wow. In, in two weeks, you know what I mean? And, and any other two weeks in the whole year. And I wasn't even there. People just called and on my behalf, right? They're saying, hey, is you know, Mike there? And he's like, no, Mike's not here. He's, on, he's, you know, he's gone for a couple of weeks. Oh, well, I need this and I need that. You know, and I just want to give him 
I want to buy it through him, right? Even though he wasn't there. Right. Because he was their salesperson, right? right. So God took care of him. Yes, he did. And I, <clears throat> I just think it's a simple thing that God does to show us, look, just trust me. Just trust me. You're not going to lack. Don't, don't worry about where you're going to lay your head, right? Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. Then he points out that whole teaching, right, about look at the flowers and look at the birds and look at these things. Your father takes care of them and look what they are. They're, they're not as important to God as you are. They're, they're important and he takes care of them, but you're much more important than these things. So obey him, whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. If you're always afraid of the cost, that's going to paralyze you. You're never going to move towards God if you're always worried about what's it going to cost me. The person who says, Lord, I will follow you, but is the person who is intensely ready to go, but never goes. This man had reservations about going. The exacting call of Jesus has no room for goodbyes. Goodbyes, as we often use them, are pagan, not Christian. Because they divert us from the call. They're a distraction to us. They pull us from. They hinder us. Sometimes they keep us where God wants to move us from. Once the call of God comes to you, start going and never stop. The instruction's simple from Oswald at the end. If you hear the call, step into it and just keep walking. God will continue to guide. He'll continue to direct, right? But it, that takes momentum, right? You can sit in a car that's going nowhere and turn that steering wheel as much as you want. <laughs> You're not going to go left or right, man. <laughs> it could be running, right? But if it's in park and the emergency brakes on, you're not going anywhere, no matter how much you, you pump that gas pedal. And that's like saying, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go, but. But as soon as you put it in drive and you get that momentum, right? That's, that's the best thing that I can think of right now, unfortunately. right? But as soon as you come to a, a, a left or a right, you can actually turn left or right because you have momentum. And that's all right. Forward motion is what we're talking about here. Not looking back while you're driving. You know what that's going to lead to. Yeah. It's not going to be good. Forward motion. Trusting in God. Another way to say trust is to have faith. Yes. Which really only means, do you trust God? Do you have faith? Do you trust God? And either you trust Him or you don't. Either he's big enough or he's not. Well, either he's God in your life or he isn't, right? Right. He's either God or he isn't. That's really simple. Don't say he's God and then make yourself God in your own life. (laughs) No. I don't know how many times we have to prove that to ourselves that that doesn't work. (laughs) I mean, all we're basically doing is saying, okay, I'm going to give up everything that I think 
everything that I do, everything that I love, and I'm going to say, Lord, fill me up with the capacity of everything you want me to do, everything that you want me to love, everything, right? That's all we're saying, is I'm exchanging everything that I am for everything that God is. That's it. So I'm living in Christ or I'm living in myself. That's the choice. Now, I, now I do talk about headship. So there's headship of man, which means you tell me what I should be doing. You tell me what I should love. You tell me what, right? It's your influence on me that makes me decide certain things. That's, that's the headship of man. There's the headship of self, where I rise up and I say, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I can do this, I can be that, right? Basically because of the headship of man, right? Then there's the headship of Satan. The headship of Satan is going to be the guy that's, as she was, as Pat was saying, you know, behind the, behind the eyes and between the ears, saying, oh, look at that guy. He thinks this and he thinks that. Or you should have, you deserve that. You should have been this. You, right? So that's that, that adversary that is constantly trying to put us in a state of conflict with everyone around us. That I'm better than you. And I deserve this. I should have that. Then there's the headship of God. And you get to choose every day which one you want to fall under with every decision and every moment of life. All day long. You choose. You could be any, un, un, under any one of those headships. And if you just keep that in the forefront of your thought when something happens, because it's going to happen today, right. I'm telling you. Yeah. Someone's going to get in your face. Someone's going to say something that upsets you. You're going to hear about something that, this, that isn't fair, right? Just, again... That circumstance that Chico was talking about, right? That's gonna, it's gonna put you in a mood. It's gonna put you under a feeling. And if you act on those moods and feelings, right? You're just hurting yourself. That's all you're doing. So in that moment, you can have the headship of yourself, which would, that's, would that be, right? Or you can say, no, no, no. I'm just gonna let God do his work in me. And whatever's happening, I don't know why, but if God wanted me to know and be a part of it, then I will be. If he doesn't, then I'll just accept it that it's, Part of God's rule here. It's what, it's what God's doing. Does it look right? Does it look good? Does it seem fair to me? Does it matter? <laughs> I mean, maybe it does matter to you, but should it matter? And there's a story I heard uh, on the radio. Um, actually, it was on Wednesday going back to work. And this guy talks about God's providence, right? And how some, some, we see things as good and bad, but God sees them as God's plan, period. And right. it's always good. It's never bad. It's always good. Mm. So there's a story about, it's a, a setback in, you know, I don't know, the 1500s. Um, it's a, about a Chinese farmer and his neighbor. And this Chinese farmer has a small farm and he has one horse. And uh, the horse runs away. So he tells his neighbor, Oh, I guess last night my horse ran away, and the, the neighbor says, oh, that's bad. And he, the farmer looks at him and says, well, how do you know? Right? So the, so, <laughs> so the next day, the horse comes back. So he reports that to his neighbor. He says, hey, my horse came back, you know, last night. And he says, oh, that's good. And he says, well, how do you know? Right. <laughs> So then a couple days later, the son, the young son, is on the horse, and he's riding the horse, and he falls off, and he breaks his leg. So 
in passing, he tells the neighbor, oh, yeah, my horse came back, and yesterday my son was riding on it, and he fell off and he broke his leg, and the, the neighbor said, oh, that's bad. <laughs> and he said, well, how do you know? So the story goes on, and it basically keeps going on, and, and, the, uh, and then what happens is um, uh, an official from the military of the emperor comes through the village, and he's collecting young men, able-bodied men. Right to go to war to fight this battle against their enemy that's on their borderline here, right? And they can't take the son because the son has a broken leg, so he doesn't go to battle. So, what seemed bad turns out to be good, right? And then they they go and they they leave the village, and a report comes back a couple days later that they had the battle and they won victoriously. I mean, they won outright, right? And so he says that nobody. Nobody got, nobody died. I mean, they suffered injury, but nobody died. And because it was such a great, victorious battle, the emperor gave all those young men that came from those, like, conscripts that came from those villages, he gave them free land, 50 acres of free land to every single one of them. Well, because the son wasn't in the battle, he didn't receive anything, right? He, he lost out on that. So when the father told the story to his neighbor, his neighbor said, oh, that's bad. <laughs> and he said, how do you know? Yeah. And basically, that's where the story ends. And, and, right, and it, yeah. the, the point is, God's providence, His provision in our life, things come in that we look and we say, well, that's bad. And God says, how do you know it's bad? Mm. It's going to be good. Mm. It's, it's happening for a reason, a purpose. I'm allowing it to happen, or I've willed it to happen. One of the two. It's my will in your life, or my what I allow. Or what I allow. So be grateful for it. That's what Paul says, right? In all things. Mm -hmm. In all things. Understand that you don't understand. Right. <laughs> you don't know what God's doing. But be thankful that he's doing it. Yeah. Which is, in our mind, sometimes difficult because it looks bad, right? Yeah, it looks bad. rehab for nine months. Ooh, that's, <laughs> that's bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> all, right. all right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for your truth, Lord, your word. And uh, I pray, Father, for all of us that uh, we did receive uh, your truth for our lives. And, Lord, that we can look and examine ourselves today and see what it is, Father, that we're still harboring, that we're still holding, Lord, and, uh, and freely, Lord, uh, just lend it to you, give it to you, set it before your feet, and allow you, Lord, to do the work that you need to do, that's required uh, you to do in our lives, whatever it may be. And whatever the way you choose to do it, help us, Lord, not to uh, give it up and ask you to do it a certain way. Just uh, help us freely, Lord, to, um, to pray to you and ask you, Lord, to, to search us, uh, deep within to the places that we still don't know, Lord, even ourselves, what we're harboring or holding on to, whether it's, uh, Lord, uh, pain, hurt, or, uh, Father, just things that we still think we need in our lives to help us live this life. So, Father, uh, I pray for all of us uh, listening that you would begin to show us that next thing, Father, that we need to release to you. We thank you again for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.